Friends, welcome to Sunday morning at First Presbyterian Church in beautiful Columbus, Georgia. I'm so glad you're here. I'm Pastor Danny Deeth, and I want to invite you to join us in our Lenten journey, where with courage and doggedness, we will enter into the wilderness of our lives, our communities, and the world, all in preparation for the greatest gift that has ever been given in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the gifts of his love, his joy, his light, and his grace. Come on in, let's worship together. Our first lesson is Psalm 121. It's found on page 171, 571 in your pew Bible. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where will my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. He who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time on and forevermore. This is the word of the Lord. We are reading from the Gospel of John for our second reading. We are in the third chapter. There are familiar verses and story here with Nicodemus coming to Jesus and John 3:16 all included. Um, I'm going to read John 3:1 through 21. So listen again with fresh ears. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you were a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do the signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. And Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you a teacher of Israel and that you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who 
descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Those who believe in him are not condemned, but those who do not believe are condemned already because they have not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world and people loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil." For all who do evil hate the light and do not come to the light, so that their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true come to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done in God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. An elementary age girl, fourth, fifth grade, was asked to write an essay on birth. So she went home and asked her family about their experience. She said, Mommy, Mom's on the computer, not really paying attention. Tell me about how I was born. Well, the stork stork brought you, left you right at the front doorstep. Okay, then she went to Dad. Dad was on his cell phone, not really paying attention, and said, Dad, how, how were you born? Where? Tell me about it. And he said, Well... I was found at the bottom of the garden. The fairies brought me. Okay, she said. And Grandma was there also. So she went to talk to her grandmother and said, Grandma, tell me about when you were born. And said, Dear, I was plucked from the gooseberry bush. That's how I was born. The girl says, Okay. So she writes her paper and goes back to class, and the teacher asks her to read her presentation. And she said, it is the darndest thing. In three generations, we've not had a natural birth in my family. (laughs) They always know more than we think they do. Always. So today is some about the understanding of birth and rebirth and what that means in this somewhat confusing conversation between Nicodemus and Jesus. So let's look at John. We're in John's gospel. Remember, John's a little bit different from the other three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Those are called the synoptic gospels. They're more alike. In John, although having a lot of the same information and stories, was written at a different time with different purposes, and so is different than the other three. So far, because we're only in chapter three, we've had the prologue, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, those first 18, chap- uh, first 18 verses. Then we have John the Baptist and Jesus being baptized. Jesus calls the first disciples. Chapter 2, the wedding at Cana, turning water from, to, to wine. And then he clears the temple. If you remember, John has three cycles of Uh, Passover that Jesus and the disciples go to where the others just showcase one. So that's what has happened so far, and we come to chapter 3. So some miracles have been done. Jesus turned over the tables in the temple, 
He would have been drawing a crowd. He would have been drawing attention. Others would have been starting to ask, who, who is this guy? What is, did you hear what he did? And so into this scene comes Nicodemus. Nicodemus, we know, is a Pharisee. And we are told that, so he's a keeper and giver of the law. We are told that he may even serve on the Sanhedrin, which is their top ruling court that makes final decisions for the Jewish people. We know he is wealthy. We know he is from and of status. He is well-educated. He has the right pedigree, in other words. Top of the socioeconomic and power food chain in the Jewish uh, hierarchy. And so it is at night that Nicodemus, under the cover of darkness, goes to meet Jesus. Why? Why at night? Well, as you may rightly think, it's a risk for Nicodemus just to openly follow Christ. At this point, the Pharisees, the other hierarchy of the Jewish faith and temple structure would have been starting to hear about Jesus and starting to think about the threat that Jesus is posing already just in the second and third chapter. So Nicodemus cannot yet commit to going to Jesus openly and in the light. It would threaten his power, his safety, his wealth, his status. So he goes under the cover of night, cover of darkness, and meets with Jesus. And the first thing he does is to affirm who Jesus is. Rabbi, you are a teacher. You are the son of God because I've seen what you've been doing. Nobody else could have done that. So he starts with an affirmation of faith by saying to Christ who he believes Christ is. You are the son of God. And from there is where Jesus responds and said, well, let me tell you, if you're going to follow me, you need to be born again. And this is where there's a lot of baggage. There's a lot of interpretation with this word again. The word is anothen, the Greek word. It can be translated three ways. Again, anew or from above. In our New Revised Standard Version, it is translated several times as from above. It's been used often as a litmus test for if you are a real Christian or not. Have you been born again? You've been born again? You've been born again? Been born again? Because you can't get there. You can't be a real Christian unless you've been born again. And it is... From here, that I believe it's been open for abuse, judgment, exclusivity, when that was never the intent. What does it mean to be born again or born from above? Nicodemus, a learned and educated man, 
doesn't understand what Jesus is saying to him. Uh, born again, Jesus, really? How? I, I took physics. I, I'm not, I don't, I, I can't, I don't know how that, how does that work? I, I don't understand. And Jesus, rolling his eyes, I'm sure, as often Jesus, when he speaks to us, speaks to us on this level, and that's how we hear it, but often is speaking up here about more heavenly things, and we take it in the context that we know, and as it strikes us, as earthly things. And we often miss the point. Um, no, Nicodemus, I don't mean literally. I mean, you have to be born by spirit and water. And then he says, you're, you're a learned guy. You're smart. You're a leader. How is it that you don't understand what I'm saying to you? So being born of spirit and water, what, what do we think that's about? Well, if we look at water... We can't help but think of baptism. Jesus has already done that. And in the next chapter, chapter 4, we have the Samaritan woman at the well where Jesus talks about being living water. But here, as we relate it to baptism, baptism is an external observable act of faith. It is one done in front of others, it is one done to show others your faith. Nicodemus is not there yet. He's still hiding somewhat in the dark, unable to fully commit himself. But born of the Spirit. Well, really what that is is an understanding that God's gift of grace has been given to us already. And we need to be open enough to receive it, not earn it. There's nothing we can do to earn God's gift of grace. And if you say, well, you have to be born again, which means you have to do check off these things on this list that I'm putting together, that gets dangerously close to earning our salvation. That is not who we are. That is not who God has created us to be. Grace is a complete gift, and no matter how much we try to create it, we cannot. Any sailors in the house? Sailboats? Been out? Oh, we had several, 845. We're going to go hang out with them. So it's one of the unwritten laws that always seems to happen, that if you're truly on a sailboat with no motor, the farthest points you get from where you started the wind dies, and you are stuck. No matter how gusty, no matter how consistent the prevailing winds were, you get to that point, and you're trapped out there. The wind dies, and you're sitting there. You try to make the wind blow. Does not help. You simply have to wait. You are powerless until the wind comes again. It is the same with grace in the sense that you cannot earn or make grace happen. You can share what you know about grace that others may receive what we have received and you have received, but we cannot make grace happen. 
when we are born from above, we are allowing the Spirit to recreate us in the image of God. That's what this wilderness Lenten journey is about. We are doing the hard work of opening ourselves that we would be different at the end of these six weeks than when we started. To allow God to transform us and give us the gifts that we know, to, to take in the gifts that we've been given, each one of us and the world. So, number one, open yourself to receive that spirit, to receive that grace, and see what it does in your life and the life of those around you. So back to Nicodemus, he's probably a good Jewish Presbyterian in the sense that he is smart, he is intellectual, he is asking questions. Nicodemus gets a bad rap because he's kind of sneaking to Jesus, but there's a lot of things that are to be admired about Nicodemus. Number one, he's still at risk even going at night. If anybody sees him with Jesus, it puts many things in his life at risk. But he still goes, and he still asks the questions. He's still seeking to know Christ. He goes and puts himself in the presence of Christ and continues to ask questions. That is our Presbyterian history. We stand on our tradition of education, of asking questions, because nobody has it all figured out. And if anybody has answers to everything when it comes to faith, approach with caution. So Nicodemus is doing the right thing by seeking Christ and asking questions for which he will hope to grow and understand. Where things become difficult is that he leaves it there in his head and does not then live what he knows. He keeps it as an intellectual silo in his mind. If we're not careful, we do the same. We can think, which we need to. We can ask questions, which we need to. But if we continue to have an ongoing conversation, looking for that right question to be answered, to then say, well, then I'll be in. Then I'll fully commit myself. We're missing such a crucial part of our journey. Tom Long, preacher, tells a story of going to Princeton, New Jersey, which is known for its academics and its intellectual, not only school, but churches in the area. So he goes to what he says is an intellectual academic Presbyterian church. So he goes to one of their Wednesday night dinners and sits down with a man next to him and says, tell me about your church. How long have you been here? He says, I've, I've been here about 25 years. I'm probably the last non-intellectual at this church. He says, I hadn't understood a sermon in 25 years. 25 years. To which Tom Long says, well, what, why, why are you still here? Why don't you go someplace that you feel more connected to? And the man says, because every Sunday night, a group of us get in a van and go to the youth correctional facility. 
We've been doing it for years. Sometimes we play basketball. Sometimes we share stories. We always share Bible stories. And we're just there for these young men. And serving at the Youth Detention Center has changed my life. I would never leave because that's what Christians are supposed to do, these kinds of things. And then Tom Long says, and very profoundly, this non-proclaimed non-intellectual says, you cannot prove the promises of God in advance, but when you live them, they're true, every one. You cannot prove the promises of God in advance, but when you live them, they're true. So that puts us right with Nicodemus. Nicodemus is looking for all of those promises to be true without living it, without stepping from the darkness and into the light, which is a theme in the Gospel of John. It is a theme in our wilderness Lent journey. Christ is telling him to come out of the darkness and into the light. Yes, it was, he started in the right way. He's approaching Christ and he's asking questions. But as this man that Tom Long met with said, you can only figure out so much by just thinking about it. But when you do it, you fully experience the presence of Christ. So where is our church? Are we nighttime Jesus approachers, or are we living our faith? Not in a way in the world that is judgmental, exclusive, or pointing the fingers at others to say, I'm in, you're not, you don't believe what I believe, so you're going to rot in hell forever. That kind of Christian conversation has been a detriment to the growth of the Christian faith. If we look at John 3.16, which we all know and love, gospel in a nutshell, it doesn't end with God gave his only begotten son so that whoever follows him may now perish but eternal, uh, inherit eternal life. We often cut it off there and we need to go through 17, which says God came into the world not to condemn it, but that all would be saved through him. Our job is to stop living in the darkness of our faith. And we can live there just fine. And we can do a lot of work there in the darkness. Darkness is not necessarily a bad place. It's a good place to start. But only when we are ready to step and move it from an intellectual exercise into daily living can we fully receive this new life from spirit and water that Christ offers. Our Lenten journey gives us this opportunity to be in the wilderness. This Lenten journey gives us opportunity to go into the world so that they will know the grace and love of Jesus Christ. But we can only do that when we are courageous enough to stand in our worlds 
the ones that we have been called to, the people God places in our lives and opportunities to stand up and be counted with those who walk in his light. So with courage, with the knowledge of God's grace, let us all seek to be born anew of spirit and water as we walk this wilderness journey. Alleluia. Amen.